Let's stand and let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, we come before you in awe of who you are, God. We thank you for the work that you have done to save us, to make a way of salvation for us. And Lord, I pray that you would be present here and now with us and that you yourself would speak into our hearts. Lord, we thank you. We need you. We want you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. That early morning, the sky was clear. Some of the stars were still visible. And as they waited and watched, a thick cloud began to descend from the heavens, enveloping the mountain in a cloak of mystery. And then a loud trumpet blast echoed throughout the camp, sending shivers down their spines. This was it. Their eyes fixed to the top where the cloud was swirling and churning, and then, without warning, lightning bolts shot from the cloud, striking the peak of the mountain, illuminating the sky. Dark, thick smoke wrapped around the mountain. Thunder was striking the mountain so often that a large fire began to blaze in the midst of it. The ground shook violently beneath their feet, and they all fell to their knees in fear. It was as if the very foundations of the earth were being shaken. Should they run? No. There was no point. There's no way that they can outrun this. They will be destroyed regardless. This is it. This was their end. So many regrets, so many things each and every one of them wished that they had done differently, and now it was all too late. It would be minutes, maybe seconds, before the storm destroyed not just the mountain, but everyone around it, covering their heads, faces to the ground. The only thing that they could cry out is, God, have mercy, God, have mercy, God, have mercy. And then, as the thunder kept clapping overhead, it's almost like they realized the thunder, it was, it was like speech. It was speech this entire time. They realized the words that they were hearing this entire time in the thunder it was the words, I am the Lord. It was God thundering out words to them, declaring himself to Israel, to Moses, Minutes, maybe hours, passed. But after their leader, Moses, had ascended up into the mountain, into the dark cloud, everything had grown still. The column of fire and smoke, it was still there, but no more thunder, no more quaking, stillness. Not a single particle of air moved. All was calm. All was quiet. Their lives were spared. God had not destroyed them. God had let them live another day. Do you guys remember where this is in the Bible? Anyone want to call it out? 
Exodus, Mount Sinai. It's when the Egyptians, when the Israelites came out of Egypt and they came to the mountain and God descended and revealed himself. This is that scene. And this scene will be the foundation of today's message because it's the foundation of that last part of Hebrews 12. So please open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 12. If we can do the next slide. Guys, this is the last message of the camp. And it's the perfect time because this is going to be a message about the end of all things. So let's read together Hebrews 12, 26. At that time, this is the author of Hebrews writing to Christians. He says, at that time, his voice shook the earth. He's, he's referencing that scene on Mount Sinai. But now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, the things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be made may remain, cannot be shaken, may remain. Guys, the Word of God makes it very clear to us that the end of the world will come one day. That this entire physical world, as we know it, as we see it and experience it right now, it will all end. Guys, this is a temporary moment happening, and it will all come to pass one day whether we feel that way or not it will come to pass and the word confirms this in many different places as well first john 2 7 says the world is passing away along with its desires this place it will come to an end all things guys all systems all governments all peoples societies cultures achievements it will no longer exist. This is the truth that God has declared to us. And it's very sobering because most people on earth do not live as if it will all end, right? We live as if it's going to keep going forever and ever. And that's how it always has been and it's how it always will be. And yet the Word of God gives us insights. It's like, it's as if, you know, you see kids playing on the beach, in the sand, and they're doing everything. They're trying so hard to build this beautiful sand castle. But being kids, they don't know what the tide is. And they have no idea that the tide in a few hours will come and wash everything away. And they won't even be able to find the same spot where they built the sand castle. No matter how hard they tried, the tide will come and wash it all away. Guys, and this is the reality, that God will shake the heavens and the earth. So the first fill in the blank is that God, that, that God will remove, this reality that God will remove all that we now see, it's meant to create two types of reactions. And we see them here in the text. There are two reactions that this reality, that God will destroy all things, it's meant to have two reactions for us. And the first one, we find in verse 18 through 21, it says, do not refuse the one who warns. Guys, if God had shook the earth in Sinai, and it was very scary, 
and if God will also shake the heavens, meaning all of the universe, everything there, then the first reaction that we ought to have to this reality is fear. Let's see your fill in the blank. The first reaction is fear, and it's proper. Specifically, we read that God's voice shook the earth. That's from Mount Sinai when God was speaking, right? Shaking the earth, we are to fear him. Let's go to the next slide. Hebrews 12, 25 says, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven? What is the scripture talking about? What is warned on earth? What is he referencing to? Sinai, right? Sinai. He warned them from the earth. Guys, you need to be holy, right? That's what he said. Let's go to the next slide. Verse 18. This is, they're describing, Hebrews 12, 18 is describing the scene on Mount Sinai. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire, a darkness, and a gloom, and a tempest, that's a storm, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages would be spoken to them. That's the, God's voice. Verse 20, for they could not endure the order that was given. If indeed a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Even Moses himself, the most holy man there, he said, yeah, this is so scary, I'm trembling with fear. Just imagine being there, guys, almost 4,000 years ago. Imagine the pure terror that Israel experienced with God just blowing this mountain up. You're standing by the mountain in a storm, the clouds, the lightning, the earthquake, it's all coming down. And it says they begged that no further messages be spoken to them. They were so terrified by the voice of God, which was violently shaking all things, that they said, Moses, you go talk to God. We don't want to hear God's voice anymore because we're afraid that we're going to be destroyed by God's voice. Enough of this. I can't listen to it. They were so afraid they couldn't listen to his voice anymore. You think, right? If you heard the voice of God, you'd be like, I want to hear that again, right? That's so special. That's so awesome. That's so rare. What a privilege, right? Let, let me hear it again, right? You'd think that that's, that would be our reaction. But for them, it was so terrifying. It was so traumatizing. So scary that they said, we don't want to hear it anymore. Moses, you do all the conversations with God. It's like surviving a traumatic car accident, right? A crazy car accident. It's intense. Yes, it's very memorable. Yeah, you'll never forget it for the rest of your life. And yes, you're still alive. And yes, maybe you didn't even get hurt, but you would never ask to experience that car accident again ever, right? You would never willfully go through it again because you understand that next time you probably will not be so lucky. And as terrifying as all of that was on Mount Sinai, what the author of Hebrews is saying is that there is actually something scarier than God's voice speaking into the earth 
and shaking everything violently. There's something even scarier. Let's go to the next slide. Verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth from the mountain. Much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. What he's saying is the Israelites, even though they heard God's voice on the mountain, but they, they still kept disobeying him, right? And we read that in the book of Exodus. What did God do to them? What happened to most of them? Did they all make it to the promised land happily? No. Almost all of them died in the wilderness because they disobeyed God even though they heard His voice here on earth. And it says, if they did not escape, then much less will we escape if we reject the one that doesn't warn from the earth, but now He's warning us from heaven. Guys, God, whether you realize this or not, but God is speaking to all humanity. Acts 17.30, this is the apostles, they said, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. God is commanding this entire world to repent. Now that Christ has come into the world, now that Jesus died for the sins of the world, has paid that price, God calls all people to repent. And the Bible warns that if we reject Him, then what we have waiting for us is not just a terrifying storm on the mountain that's just going to kill us. It's not just fire and gloom and thunder and earthquakes, but it's something far, far worse. The one who calls us is not just calling from earth with earthly consequences like the Israelites experienced. The one who calls now calls from heaven, from eternity, with eternal eternal consequences. Matthew 10, 28 says, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's the voice of him who calls from heaven, guys. Guys, you know, the, the reality is God does not just hold the power over your physical body. He holds the power over your soul. Guys, it's not the devil who's going to send you to hell. You guys realize that, right? The devil is not going to be the one who's going to destroy your soul in hell. God is the one who sends people to hell. This is the reality. Hell is not the devil's kingdom. Hell is the place where the devil and his angels are also going to go to be punished for all of eternity. He's not a king there. He's a prisoner, just like everyone else who does not repent. It's God who sends people to hell for not trusting in Him, for their sins. And unless you believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, unless you you cast your life upon Him and cling to Him as your only salvation, guys, then you too will be cast into hell. This is a warning. Do not refuse Him who speaks. I'm not making this up to scare you. This is the reality, the truth that the Word of God reveals to us, guys. 
And I'm not saying this to condemn you, to bring you down and discourage you. I'm saying this to encourage you, to run after Christ, to cry out to Christ and be saved. His kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. The goodness that you experience in your life, it's meant to lead you to repentance, the Word of God says. So I want to ask you all this. How are you? How's your soul? Where are you going? What path are you on? Ever since Christ was raised from the dead, God has been speaking into the world through his servants and through his people. Every day, God is speaking. He is speaking to this entire world, calling and urging people to turn from their sins. And right now, guys, you are hearing God's own call to repent. For you to believe in Jesus. In order for you to cry out to Him. Realizing that Jesus is the only way that you can be saved. This is God's call to you right now. Do not refuse Him. Guys, God has sovereignly arranged your life in such a way. That you are sitting here right now. January 1st. 2023. At 12, 19 p.m. Pacific time, hearing his call. God has arranged all of that. He has put together all the people that put in countless hours to prepare for this retreat, to make it possible, to make it happen. We have power. We didn't freeze overnight. We're still here. You are hearing his call. He has arranged it for you to have a chance to repent. And as the Word of God says, do not refuse him who calls. Guys, the reality is God is extremely angry at sin. He's furious. He's extremely angry at your sin, at my sin, at all sin. He hates it. For him, it's like vomit. It's disgusting to him. It's disgusting in his eyes. It's disgusting to his nostrils. He doesn't even want to be around it, be near it. And he is restraining his wrath right now. But there will come a day when he will stop restraining his wrath. And he will say, enough is enough. And he will unleash his wrath to destroy all that is evil and wicked in this world. And he will cast all evildoers into hell. And unless we repent, we will be swept away by the flood of his righteous, powerful wrath. This is not a scare tactic. I don't like preaching about this. But if I don't, then I'm not being faithful to what God has told us to preach. I'm, not, I'm hiding something from you if I don't tell you this. Do not refuse him who calls, guys. Repent. Repent now. Do it, guys. Don't, don't wait. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another moment. I'll do it later. Do not refuse him who calls. There is nothing more important in your life and nothing ever will be more important in your life than for you to get right with God, for you to cry out to him, Jesus, save me. Getting right with God is at the very top of your priority list because it will determine where you will be for all of eternity. 
So the first and the proper reaction to the fact that God will one day shake this entire universe, meaning destroy it all, is, is meant to be fear. Fear which leads to repentance, which leads to trust in Christ for eternal life. The second reaction which comes out of this fear is joy and worship. So you're filling the blanks, joy and worship. That's the second fear. A second reaction. Next slide. Verse 28 says, Therefore, so if God's going to shake this world, He's going to shake it all, He's going to remove all that is physical and created and create something new. Therefore, based on that thing one, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Guys, if you have repented, I know this is heavy what we're preaching about, but if you've repented, if you've trusted in Christ, then we have peace with God. We have that eternal security with God. That means that we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Meaning, yes, this world will pass away, but we will receive something that will never pass away. This world, guys, in this world, there are no steady rocks. Nothing, guys. There are only illusions of steady rocks. People think that they can trust, they can, you know, hope in and trust on a relationship, right? Or a career, or a friendship, or their government, or their bank accounts, or their insurance policies. Whatever it is, a hobby, a sport, they can trust in doctors. They can trust in the science. But none of those things are steady rocks. Ultimately, everything in this life, guys, it's shakable. It will be gone so soon. Whether God wiping out the world or whether us dying. One day, soon, sooner than you realize, they're going to close that casket over your body, bury you, and life will go on. And it's just going to be you and God. Everything else will be shaken off from you. It will all fail us. And we think, oh, no, no, this will last. This will bring me true, lasting joy. But it doesn't because it's shakable. In reality, this world can never satisfy us the way we desire for it to satisfy us because in the end, it will all be shaken off. But God, God has given us Something sure. Something stable. Something that will never waver. Something that will never fail. Guys, and this is the best news ever, isn't it? That's heaven. That is enjoying the presence of God for all eternity without ever having fear that it will diminish. Right? We've talked about this before, right? You guys, you know, enjoying a great time. Let's say even New Year's, right? We're enjoying it. But in the back of your mind, there's that thought. It's going to end. It's going to be over. Or this great movie I'm watching that I'm really enjoying, it's going to finish. There's going to be a conclusion. This camp will be over. You're going to have to go home. You're going to have to drive, right? It's going to be rainy tomorrow. You're going to be depressed. You're like, oh, that was so fun, but now I'm coming back to my ordinary life. What a bummer. 
but heaven, it will never end. It will never be shaken. And it will go on forever and ever. And the thought that it will never end, but it will only get better and better for all of eternity will make that moment even better, even more enjoyable. The joy of heaven is unshakable. It can never be diminished. It can never get old. It can never become boring. It can never become unsatisfying. It can never run out. It can never be spoiled or ruined. It is unshakable because God is there. When the things of this world, when they fail you guys, remember, that's how it's always going to be. That's just life. Some things get shaken a little earlier than everything else, but ultimately everything in this earth will be shaken. Even if you have the best possible life, like imagine it, you get all your dreams and wishes fulfilled every second of your life. One day it will all come to an end and it will be shaken. But the unshakable, the eternal, it will remain forever. And that's why the Word of God calls us to be grateful. Let your hearts be filled with gratitude. Let them overflow as we meditate upon the unshakable, imperishable nature of the place that God is preparing for us. Next slide. And that's why verse 28 says, and let us offer and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship because we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken we are to offer to God acceptable worship guys we are to praise him let your hearts thank him let them overflow in worship not just in song but just in your hearts towards God let your hearts respond to his goodness offer to him acceptable worship next slide Acceptable worship with reverence and awe, the Word of God says, for our God is a consuming fire. Next slide. This is amazing. Our heart is to overflow with gratitude and worship towards God, and that gratitude and worship is to be joined with, it's to be mixed with reverence and awe. A holy fear. Like, why? Why should we fear God? Why should we still fear Him? Why should we have reverence? Because our God is a consuming fire. And He's referencing right back to the mountain, Mount Sinai, the fire on the mountain, and the fire that will destroy this entire universe, which is coming, God. Our God, guys, is a consuming fire. Nothing can stand in His presence. You guys realize that God is still the God that manifested Himself on the mountain. Just because we've been saved from the wrath of God by the work of God and the, and the gift of God and the grace of God does not mean that we lose all fear of God. The New Testament talks about fearing God as well, guys. You know, some people say, yeah, Jesus is my homeboy, right? And I don't know, you know, every person that uses that phrase, I don't know what they mean. If they genuinely, truly in their heart mean Jesus is 
a really close friend that I love and I trust and I revere, okay, that's fine. But if it's a lighthearted, like, yeah, Jesus is that guy that I can come up to and just, you know, slap him on the back, hey, what's up, bro? That's not, that's not our Jesus, and we can't treat him that way. He's a consuming fire. Reverence and awe should be our reaction before him. God is safe to us. He is safe. But that's because God has paid the price by giving up His Son for our sake. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus at all, guys. Don't get me wrong. There's zero condemnation. All there is is pure love. But our God is still a consuming fire. He is still the same God that made the mountains tremble and quake. He is still the same God that will melt away this world. He is still the same God who will pour out His wrath on all evil doers. He is still the same God before whom Moses said, I tremble with fear, yet we have been saved. But He is still a consuming fire. So in Christ, your last, I think this is your last film in blank, in Christ, these two seemingly contradictory experiences. These two experiences which seem like you can't put them together. In Christ, they come together. These two seemingly contradictory experiences are combined into one. Worship, gratitude, safety, joy, love, peace, holy fear, reverence, and awe. God's wrath was satisfied by Christ on our behalf, but that doesn't mean that God lost His power. God's not a fluffy bunny now. He didn't lose His power. He didn't lose a single ounce of His power, guys. He is still as almighty and all-powerful as He has always been. It's in Christ that these two realities come together. And some of you might think like, but... Fear is a bad thing. Like, why would we, why should we still have that? Why would God still want us to fear Him? That's a bad thing. Isn't that negative? Doesn't that spoil the experience of God? It doesn't. It makes it even better. Because fear and awe are amazing things when you know you're safe. Right? When we go to the Grand Canyon, and we stand on the ledge. We don't go there to feel safe. You know, this is my safe place. And we go to the Grand Canyon to behold its glory, its majesty, how large it is, to be small in its presence, to stand in awe of it. And yet the Grand Canyon, if you're standing on the ledge with that thousand foot drop in front of you, Without a guardrail, it's terrifying, right? It's just terror. You're not enjoying the Grand Canyon because you're afraid for your life. But if you have a stable and sure guardrail that you know you can lean on, you can enjoy the view, you can stand in awe of it and enjoy it because you know that you're safe. And that's what Christ is. He's that guardrail. He keeps us safe. 
but we still get to enjoy the mighty power, magnificence, glory of God in safety, but still in awe and in reverence. Guys, this is the God before whose face we live. So to recap, if you haven't trusted in Christ, guys, I urge you, do it now. Do it quickly. Hebrews 10.31 says, It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. These are not fear tactics. This is warning you. You're driving off a cliff. You're driving off a cliff. You won't survive if you drive off the cliff. It's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But if you have repented, guys, do not be cast down. Do not be discouraged. But let your spirits lift, rejoice, thank God, offer acceptable worship, enjoy His presence, because He is our only hope, and He has given us a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen? It's a kingdom that will last forever. And after 10 trillion years of pure joy in the presence of Him, the thought will occur to you, I promise. I will come there and remind you, after 10 trillion years, guys, that we are only getting started. We are only getting started. And there is so much more for all of eternity because God is infinite and He will never run out of ways to blow our mind and to satisfy our hearts. So worship Him. Worship Him with fear and awe, knowing that He's a consuming fire. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are in awe of You. Thank You for Your sacrifice. Thank You for giving us a kingdom that cannot be shaken. A sure and steady anchor. Lord, You hold us. I pray for those who don't know you yet that they would come to know you. Open their eyes. And may they join your side and love you and know you and worship you. For those of us that do know you, Lord, may we cast aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run the race with endurance and let our hearts worship you. We thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen.